Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. James, this guy James, was actually Jesus's brother. And he wasn't his full brother. He was his half-brother. They actually had different dads, but they were not a blended family. If you don't understand that, ask someone later, okay? And, and so anyway, they had different dads, but, uh, but he was, um, you know, Jesus's half-brother. And then this is such a weird thing because, um, you know, Jesus came out one day and said, I am also the Messiah. And as a brother, you know, there were... <laughs> It would be so hard, if it was hard to convince anyone, it would be hard to convince your sibling. Look at your, think of your sister or your brother right now and think, I could never believe that. So anyway, we know that one day James did believe that because he gave his brother, his life, sorry, to his brother. That's weird. Um, he gave his life to Jesus and realized that he, in fact, was the Messiah. And so he became a really big deal, especially in the New Testament church. Um, you know, he, he was uh, in charge of the church and wrote um, in the beginning, and wrote this letter, and this is the first letter that James, uh, that was, actually, this is the first letter that was written in the New Testament. So he didn't read anything that anyone else wrote. This is just from James. And so we're going to uh, read part of that tonight. And just so you know, um, he wrote this letter to a group called the Dispersion. And the dispersion were a group of um, Jewish Christians that had been dispersed. That's why they were called the dispersion. And they had been dispersed all over the Mediterranean. And, you know, it's kind of really sad for these guys because the Jewish people didn't really like them. And the people of the countries that they were in, they didn't really like them either. So they were constantly dragged into court. And if you read what commentators say about the dispersion, they say that they had less rights than slaves. So I tell you all of that to let you know that these people were really poor. I mean, they just didn't have, they didn't have a lot. And what they had kept getting nicked by other people, kept getting pinched and and taken and, and dragged into court, right? So here are these poor people that have gathered together to do this thing called church. And then James writes a letter to them. Now, um, you know that you can't be really mean to poor people, right? So I'm going to say that, but let me tell you something else. Nobody told James. I'm telling you, but nobody told James. He didn't realize that. So now the truth is he actually wasn't being mean at all. But how many of you guys would know that um, sometimes the truth hurts? And so James writes this, this letter, and it's the truth, and it hurts a little bit. And so he says... You know, some of the best lessons you get are when somebody decides to tell you the truth. That's not an excuse, but it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to do sometimes for some people that are going to learn. And so this is exactly what James does right now when he's kind of taking these poor people to task. And he's doing it because their church is so negative. And wouldn't it be horrible if you were just coming to church and the place was like really negative? I don't know why you'd go, actually, but, but I mean, maybe you haven't had that experience in church. But, you know, what if you had that experience in your workplace? Have you ever had that? You ever had that where you go into a workplace and people are just negative? You know, you walk in and, you know, it, it might be the, all the lights are on, but the atmosphere is dark, if you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and so there's this kind of like shroud of darkness that comes over the place and you think, I need to get out of this place. And, 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 and there are some people, there are some people, uh, and God bless them, all they do is whinge. And they, they really have nothing else to say. So at lunchtime, if they don't have someone to complain about, there's really not a lot of conversation. You just get back to work, you know? And, and, and so James is writing this letter because these people that are poor, uh, they have this 
negative experience. What's happening in this, in this you know, um, group of people is there is a lot of gossiping, a lot of bitching about each other, a lot of backstabbing, this kind of thing. And so James is deciding to deal with it. And he writes this letter. Man, I tell you, this, this book of the Bible, it's just like a short book, but James has a chapter for it every problem. So, so he is just dealing with it one after the other. And so this, this really comes out of chapter three. And I want to preach this message tonight. It's called the forest is on fire. So come with me uh, in chapter three in verse one, I'm going to read to you. If you don't have a Bible, it's cool. We got it on the screen for you. Uh, or you can just listen. It says this in verse one, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's discouraging. For we, unless you're not a teacher and then it's no problem, but maybe for me, you know. So he then follows that up, by the way, just to comfort you. And he says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Verse 5, he says this, So also the tongue is a small member, and yet it boasts of great things. Words are powerful. They shape environments. They shape atmospheres. Even while I'm saying this to you right now, The words that I'm speaking are beginning to shape this atmosphere that we're presently in. Words are powerful. Words are powerful in the sense that they can lift a person up and you can begin to speak positively over somebody's life. You can actually shape the direction of a person's life based on the words that you've used. And, you know, a lot of people, you would have experienced this yourself. There are so many people whose character has been shaped by the words that have been spoken over them. And sometimes it could be positive and other times it could be negative. I think it's interesting that God says in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth and he spoke and he said, let there be light and there was light. And there was really, I mean, at this point, there is none of us to hear him. So he can create without speaking. So why did he do it? You know, like he didn't, need to speak, but he chose to speak. And I think the reason why God speaks is because it's just one more demonstration about how words are powerful and they can create change. In fact, in the Old Testament, you would see this a lot and in the New, but particularly in the Old, people called prophets would hear on behalf of God and then speak out the words that they heard. And then the words that they spoke begin to shape the culture. They began to shape the destiny of nations. Why? Because words are powerful and they're not necessarily positive or negative. They can be either, but they're still powerful all the same. And James is writing this letter because really he's dealing with words that are negative. And if you want to talk about the categories that negative words come in, man, there are so many. If you were to go into a negative culture or a negative environment, you might find that there's a lot of, uh, you know, like innuendos. You know, when people will, they'll say something without actually saying it so they can get away with saying that they never said it. 
You, do you know what I'm talking about? You know, they say, well, I'm going to be really clever with my words here. I'm going to insinuate that I saw somebody do something and, and that I, you know, didn't, um, but I can't tell you about it, so I'm just going to insinuate it. Sometimes people will just negatively insinuate. Hey, how about this? In a negative environment, you might think that this sounds odd, but in a negative environment, there could be a lot of flattery. Yeah, flattery. And, and flattery is really just a form of manipulation. It's actually the opposite of gossip. If you really think about it, flattery is what you would say to someone's face that you would never say behind their back. And gossip is what you would say behind their back, but you would never say to their face. And they're both can be very negative things, just negative words that people speak and, and, and say. There can be criticism. And then there's this. People, some people just, you know, they just love lying. You know, just outright, they just lie. They have an issue with it. They actually love the fact that they're, that they're good at it. Hey, how about this for a, a bizarre fact? Um, statistically, extroverts are more likely to lie than introverts. Did you know that? So, so if you know or are sitting next to an extrovert, just look at them right now and say, I knew, I always, I always knew this about you. I always knew, but it's actually just nice to hear that it's also true. So, so extroverts and introverts, how about this? Statistically, men are more likely to lie than women, but only about themselves. So they're more likely, and I don't know why they're lying. Maybe they're just lying to impress women, you know, and they're trying to inflate their egos and they're saying things about them that are not true. Maybe a few more, adding a few more kilos to their bench press. So I don't know, like they, they just lie more than, than, than women. Um, but women also, they, they lie more in a different category. They lie more to protect people than men. So men are like, nah, they can look after themselves. But women are like, let's lie, let's protect them. It sounds altruistic, but it's still wrong, you know? So they, they lie more. How about this one? In marriage, these are all, this, this is factual information, but not from this church. And so um, they say this, that, that uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a marriage, that one out of every 10 interactions is a lie with your spouse. How about that? Is that going to frighten you? Some of you are like, no, I told you it's not from this church, so don't worry about it. But for everyone out, uh, out there, you know, it, it could be true for them. And maybe it's a really small thing, you know, like, like, you know, your wife comes, you know, she stayed home sick that day and you get home and you're like, babe, did you watch part of that series without me? Because we said we were watching it together. Did you watch an episode without me? You did, didn't you? Watch an episode? No, babe, I didn't watch it. She definitely watched an episode without you. She did. She did. So it's a small thing, but she's watching episodes without you, you know? And, and so that's one out of 10. And, and, and a lot of you might not have kids tonight, but trust me, I reckon that the odds are higher when you've got kids because they're really great at telling stories too. Um, when it, that, that, that's just lies. But when it comes to gossip, how about this? A university in Amsterdam, um, they did a whole heap of research and they said statistically, right, this is maybe just located in Amsterdam, but they said that 90% of the office communication was all gossip. 
90%. And this is cr- across a number, of, a number of industries and sectors, and it included emails and SMS. It was a broad study that looked at you know, relationships and, and communication. 90% of office communication, that is so unproductive, right? And people love listening to this stuff, you know? Like if I, if I have a story and I, and, and I say, oh my gosh, you just should, should have seen what Bill did on the weekend, right? It was, oh no, I shouldn't really talk about it, but you already want to know. Heck, I'm making up the story and I want to know the rest of it, you know? Because you're like, well, tell me more. Like, well, how's it going to end? Like, it's a great story, you know? Tell me, what did Bill do? So, so this is the thing, like people love to listen to gossip. Now, the, the reason I'm preaching this message tonight is, is, well, really because it comes out of the book of James. And I want you to know something that I am not, I am not concerned about you but I am deeply concerned about the person on your left and your right. I'm so worried about them that they could struggle. So look to your left and right and say, um, I see, I told you I'm glad you're here. See, this is the thing. I know, I, I, I know that it's not a problem for you, but it could be a very serious problem for the people sitting either side of you, right? And the reason why the stats are so high is because it is so easy for your mouth to get you into trouble. It doesn't require any effort. And, and a lot of people just naturally gravitate towards it, which is, I think, why James says that not many of you should become teachers because you will be judged and there will be greater judgment and it's, the judgment is stricter on you than it is on anyone else. And, and let me say to you what I think James is really saying in that passage. Because I don't think James is saying that not many of you should get up and preach and teach on Sunday. I don't think that's actually what he's saying. Because I think that, you know, to be honest, anyone could get up and if they prepared well, preach a great message because they've prepared it, they've done the research, they, they've, they've already thought about the words that they're going to say. Look, I mean, you've got notes on what you're going to talk about, so you've planned everything. So, so anybody could really get up and, and, and fake it and, and say something that sounds great for 30 minutes. Anyone could do that. I mean, you think about it. You go to a job interview, what are you doing? You're impressing them, Right. So when you're trying to impress them, what do you do? You dress up on the outside, you dress up your attitude, you dress up your language. If you were dating someone and you were thinking, I'm going to meet their parents, what do you do? You dress that whole situation up too, you know? You're going to sit down to dinner with them. What are you hoping for? That you're going to impress them. I'm telling you, anyone can impress someone when they've planned it and prepared it. Which is why I don't think James is really saying, hey, when you preach, just think about the words that you're using. Of course, when you preach, you think about the words that you're using. I think he's saying, think about the words you use when you're not preaching. Think about the words that you use when you're not standing in front of a room full of people and they're listening to everything that you say. Think about the words that you use when it's just you and your mate and you're sitting down and you know that you can say anything and it's confidential. In that moment, think about the words that you use. Think about the language that you use. Think about you know how you're speaking. Think about whether the words you're saying are uplifting. Are they encouraging? Are they negative? Are you gossiping? You need to understand the impact of the words that you use. So in the last couple of weeks, I was in a coffee shop and a lady walks in and she sends her kids to the same school that my kids go to. I know this lady. So she walked in and uh, and I said, hello. 
and we started, you know, chatting, and I said to her, how's everything going at school? Now, you need to understand something about this lady. She is not a Christian. So she comes in, and she, I said, how's everything going at school? It's a Christian school. And she said, to be honest, it's a little bit difficult for my kids to make friends. And, and, and it's, there's a few awkward things that are happening. I said, what are you talking about? I said, tell me. Tell me about, you know, why, why are things not going well for you? She said, well, you might have noticed that I have a few tattoos, right? And this lady, you could have missed them because they're everywhere. Like, she's got them up her neck. There's some on her face. Like, she, she has tattoos everywhere, right? So I'm like, yeah, I noticed. You know, I've seen these. So, so she has tattoos, and she said that the really sad part was was that there's a, there was a group of uh, Christian mums that didn't want their kids playing with this lady's kids because of her overall appearance, they judged her as someone that was untrustworthy. And you say, how could she possibly know? Because the parents told the kids this very thing, and then their kids told the lady that I was speaking to, they told her kids, fed straight back to mum, and now she feels judged by a, a, a group of people that are saying, we don't want our kids to play with your kids. In fact, I said, oh, that's crazy. What? Because you, you got tattoos? And she said, yeah. She said, one of the parents thinks we're in a gang. I said, a gang? Are you serious? Because you got tattoos? And I started to listen to what she was saying. And I'll be honest with you guys, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. Because I thought... Seriously? Like, is this seriously where we're at now? Like, as Christian people? Well, because because someone's got tattoos that their kids can't play together? Is that for real? And I said this to a lot of the mums and dads this morning. Well, if that's true and you feel that way, don't ever let your kids play with my kids because both mum and dad have tattoos. And we got them, so... Like, what are you going to do with that? (laughs) I've thought, is this what we should really be known for? We're against things that don't really matter? I thought that Jesus said that this is how you know my disciples, by how they love one another. I thought that was the defining mark. I thought that that was the thing that people would recognize, recognize us. How do you know that they're Christians? Oh, it's because they judge so harshly. Jesus never said that. How do you know that they're Christians? Because I've seen these people love and no one does it like them. They must be Christians. These are how you recognize my disciples by how they love one another. Let alone the fact that Jesus said that one day on the day of judgment, that you'll give an account for every careless word that you speak and every careless word that you say. So you really got to think about the kind of words that are coming out of your mouth because they're going to matter in the time to come. James is so serious about words, he says that this is actually how we can find out how perfect you really are. Did you, did you read that or hear that? He said, oh, if anybody doesn't stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. He's saying, you know what? Anybody that's able to completely control what they say, that kind of person is perfect. And what I don't think he's saying is, is that you're either perfect or not perfect, I think James is making the point, based on the kind of things that constantly come out of your mouth is a good indication to the people around you just how close to Christ you really are. Yeah, good, good. 
because Christ is perfect and he can control everything that comes out of his mouth, right? But I think what James is saying is, depending on how you run your mouth, that's a really great indicator to the rest of us how close to him you are. And then he follows it up with this. He says, oh, hang on, but you do know that we all make mistakes. Some of us are like, oh, thank God he said that. Yes, of course, we all make mistakes. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is why I love this message. It's so good because it says that even if you make a whole heap of mistakes in your life, you're saved by the grace of Jesus. Not because of what you've done, but because of everything that he has ever done. So we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. But can I tell you this? Just because you're saved by grace doesn't mean you shouldn't work at trying to be more like him. You're supposed to be working towards this. And if it feels like work, good. You're supposed to be working at it. You're supposed to be becoming more like Christ. I, I think this thing with words, this thing that James is dealing with is incredibly important. You know, words are invisible because we can hear them, but when I say them out loud, you can't see them. And yet they're shaping the environment and the atmosphere right now. Here's what I really think. I think that the invisible has a lot more to do with directing people's life than the physical. You think about it. Everything spiritual is invisible, right? And the things that are spiritual shape your life. When God comes to you and he speaks to you, that shapes your life. But he's invisible. Or am I the only one that has noticed this? <laughs> no, you've all... Okay, that's, that's also good, you know? And, and so I think that the invisible has a lot more to do with shaping your life, with shaping the physical than you ever thought possible. And your words can take you in a direction that you want to go, or they can take you in a direction that you don't want to go. Why? Because some people can't help. They can't help it. They just can't stop talking. And they can't stop saying things when they should close their mouth. That's what happens when it takes them in a wrong direction. I mean, surely you know people like this. You might have met some. I pray to Jesus you're not one of them. You know, people that constantly are requiring fresh starts. I need a fresh start. I need another fresh start. Why? Because this environment, these people around me, they all have issues. These people burn through jobs like you wouldn't believe because they don't like anyone that they meet, right? Because everywhere that they go, there's drama. Have you ever met people that just attract drama like a magnet and, and they're working in a job for three months, they know all the gossip in the place and suddenly they've got relational issues with everyone and they're like, I need, I need a fresh start. I need a clean start. They start a new job and then they're like, oh my goodness, I've met another group of people that are just like those people. They start another job. This is, what, what, what would be the odds that everywhere I go, these people exist. I found the problem. It's not them. If everywhere you go, you have drama, it's you, not them. I mean, how many people need fresh starts? You know what it's like? You know, they're like, I just feel like I need another fresh start. And, and, and then they do this thing where they call their Facebooks, right? You know, I'm just, I'm just getting rid of all the negativity in my life. Really? They're not the problem. Clean the thing out as much as you want. You're still going to struggle because you can't outrun you. They've cleaned that thing out. There's still negativity in their life, you know? And then you get that message. By the way, I just called my Facebook. If you're reading this, it's because I didn't call you. And you know what I'm really thinking? I'm like, no, call me. I don't need you in my life. 
to be honest, like, I can see the drama from a mile away. Cull me, cull me, you know, like, not kill, cull me, you know. But what's the issue? It's because they've got drama. In fact, I'm so serious about this issue with drama and words and all the rest of it that when I hear words that I think I shouldn't hear, we have a culture in this church, right? It's actually among the staff. We don't roll it out across the church, but I think we should. It's a great idea. And here's what it is. We begin with trust. Let me explain to you how this principle works. It means that if anybody comes to me and they say to me, oh my gosh, somebody said something about, yeah, it's more likely to be Zach. So, so... It's only because Matt pointed at you and I used him this morning. So, so, so somebody comes to me and they say, um, you know, oh, I, 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 there's this thing with Zach. And I don't know if you've heard this, but I heard this. And they start telling you this, this, this information, right? It's called gossip. And, and you start listening to it. And then here's what we do. This is how the principle works. When I hear anything like that, I go, whoa, 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 stop. Please don't tell me anymore. First of all, this is what you need to know. I know Zach really well. And I know him, and I wasn't there to see what you're talking about. But are you absolutely certain that you have all your details correct? Oh, no, you heard that from another person, did you? Are you sure that they have their details correct? Here's what I suggest to you. Before you go around running your mouth, maybe what you should do is go back to that person and double-check these facts. Because I have a history with Zach, and he is a man of great character. And because I know him, I know for a fact that he would never do what you're saying he would do. I didn't have to be there to extend trust in that moment. I trust Zach because I know who he is. So whenever I hear anything like that, you know what? All I want to do, I want to shut it down. I don't want to engage it. I don't want to uh, listen to it, right? But because it's gossip, uh, look, a lot of people don't want to do that. They're like, yeah, tell me more. What did Bill do? Come on, like, I, I want to know. You know what the Bible says? It says that gossip is like tasty morsels. And I thought, I don't know what that word means. So I looked it up in the message and they translated it as candy. Gossip is like candy. People love it. They love to eat it. They're like, tell me more. I want to I, I, I wanna consume this. This, this feels so good, right? So, so let me tell you the truth. I am actually pretty good at doing this. I'm really good at doing it, in fact. So I, I shut down conversations and say, hey, don't say that or, or whatever because, because of this staff culture that we have. But if I was going to be completely transparent, and I'm about to be, I haven't always done this really well. So I'll tell you a little story from a number of years ago. A number of years ago, I was, um, I was, it was at this church, actually, and um, I had a person that was in my life that was um, a leader, and, and they were over me, and I was part of their small group, and, and uh, it, was, it was the most bizarre thing. Um, we would be in small group, and this leader would, you know, they would do this thing where they say, go around the room and tell us something about your life or how it's going this week. And so everyone would begin to share, but when it would get to me, this lady would just shut me down and she would say, okay, and that's enough from you, Ben, and we're going to move on. And I thought, oh, that's okay. Um, and I just ignored it, but it kept happening. And it wasn't just um, in small group. It would even happen at church. It was a really odd thing. And I remember it, it got so obvious that we were in small group one night and it happened again. And the moment that it did, there was about five people in the group that honestly raised their hands above their head and they looked at me and they looked at this lady and they were like, are you serious? And, and they came to me after and they said, I don't know if you've noticed, but she really shuts you down a lot. I'm like, have I noticed? 
I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm just glad that you're confirming it because I, I thought I was taking crazy pills. Like, I was like concerned that I had some offense in my heart that wasn't justified, you know, but now I can see that this is legit. So anyway, this is, this is what's going through my head. And, and this went on for a long time. And you know what happened in my heart? You know, my heart started to get really offended and it started to get bitter. So what happened is we were around at a person's house one night and this person's name came up. And I am so good at keeping my mouth shut and controlling my words. But on this particular occasion, I opened up a can for about 20 minutes on this person, right? And I said exactly what I thought. And I didn't even feel bad about it. It actually felt pretty good to get it out. And, and so I said, you know what I think? I think this and this and this and this. I said that. I said everything I had to say. It didn't go on about it. I, I just said, this is what I think. And that was the end of it. So anyway, that happened. And then... It was years later, and now I'm actually the senior pastor of Activate Church. It's my first year, and we suddenly lose the building that we're in, and we didn't know where we were going to go. We'd been kicked out of our venue. We were in a small little community center that we affectionately called Camp Krusty on the basis of its straw-thatched roof and felt like a high school camp, actually, but a dodgy one. And so, and so there I am, and, 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 and we're there, and I, and I, 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 did, I didn't want to uh, be in that place anymore. And so I'm praying to God one day. I said, God, I said, you got to give us breakthrough. Where are we going? What are we doing? Get us out of there. And so God comes to me. He says, I'm going to answer your prayer, but first I need you to do something for me. I'm like, God, what is it? Anything. You just ask of me and I will be obedient, right? He says, well, do you remember a couple of years ago that night you were at your friend's house and for that 20 seconds, you opened your mouth and said things that you shouldn't have said? I'm like, Yes. He says, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to call up that person and I want you to tell them what you said and then I want you to ask them for forgiveness and you do that and I'll give you breakthrough in your building. And I thought, I, 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 my first response to God was, whoa, wait a minute, hang on. You need to understand something, God, like he doesn't know. I'm like, there has been so much time that have passed you know, to bring this up would be awkward. Like, I don't want to bring it up and, and I don't even care anymore. It's not an issue for me anymore. He said, yeah, but you still said it. And even though it might've been true, you shouldn't have done that. And, I, and, and you remember the scripture that I read at the beginning where those who are teachers will be judged with greater strictness. Okay, so maybe this hasn't happened to you, but it sure did happen to me. And so I called up this lady um, and I said to her, hey, uh, uh, would you like to get together and have coffee? And she said, oh, like you mean like you want to catch up like our families? And I'm like, no, 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 definitely don't bring your family to this coffee. Um, I would actually just like to meet with you. And it's a really odd thing to ask another married lady to have a 30-minute coffee. So I'm like, no, I just want to, I just only need like half an hour. No, I haven't seen you for a couple of years, you know, but it would be really great if we could have a coffee. She's like, okay. So this is, I, I, I hung up the phone and I'm like, I'm weird. So <laughs> we get together and, we, and we're sitting down and we have this coffee. And I said to this person, I said, hey, listen, the reason I brought you here today is I just needed to tell you something. And, and when you, listen, when you're going to apologize, this is how to do it really well. You can tell them what your issues are, but don't ever ask them to own it because forgiveness was about me in this moment, not about her owning any of her own behavior. So here's what I said. I said, I'm going to tell you some things right now about where I was at and how I felt, and you don't need to own any of it. And I'm not telling you so that you feel bad or guilty. That's not the point of this conversation. You don't have to say, you don't even need to say a thing. I'm simply telling you this 
so that you know where I was at and where this came from. So this is how you made me feel. And one night, one night, I opened my mouth. I said these following things. I've asked you here for coffee today to say that I'm sorry. I should never have said those things. And I want to ask for your forgiveness. Would you please forgive me? And the moment that I said that, when the lady heard what I said, she immediately said, oh my gosh, she said, you, don't, you, don't, you didn't have to do that. I'm like, no, I did. God made me. And so she, <laughs> I, uh, she said, you didn't have to do that. Like, of course I forgive you. And, and can I just tell you about my own life? Like, I was going through so much difficult stuff at that period of my life. And I'm really sorry if I ever made you feel, I'm like, you don't need to say that. You don't need to own it. It's me. It's all of my issues, right? But all right, fine. It's like, and so we were good before. And then we had this conversation. We were good after, you know? And it felt like, I'm like, God, I don't know what this accomplished. But six days later, we found this building. And I'll tell you why. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, God wants you to be careful with the words that you speak. And everything that I said was true. But so what? So what if it was true? You know, here's what you need to know is just because it's true doesn't mean that you should say it. I mean, just because it's true doesn't mean that you have permission to share it. And and with how many people, you know? You know, like when people want to share something when they're offended, right? They just want to share it with their closest 100 friends, maybe on Facebook, just to get the other people's perspectives and opinions, right? It's not about perspectives and opinions. They want to feel justified in their offense. So they look for people that will say, yeah, you should feel like that, you know? And how about this? Rather than telling the 100 people around them that know them, what about just going to the person and saying, hey, you made me feel like this, or hey, we got an issue here, or you shouldn't have said that. Like, that's actually biblical. That's the way that we're supposed to do it. Just because it's true doesn't mean that it needs to be said, and it might be true, but it sure as heck isn't helping. So saying it's not going to help, it's not going to improve relationships. It's not going to improve the dynamics of the environment that the two of you share, whether it's a sporting club or a church or a friendship group or whatever, you know, that doesn't help. That's not going to help anything at all. And so if you're the person who, who if you're going to be honest with yourself, you're like, yep, totally do this. I definitely say things that I know I shouldn't say. Well, just think about this. But the other thing is, is that if people come and bring things to you and they say to you, hey, I, I definitely shouldn't be telling you. Oh, I'm not going to tell you, you know, but I know something about Bill. And, 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 and that very moment, you've got a choice about what you can and you can either say, come on, tell me. Like, I want to know. I'm, uh, let's, let's talk about how Bill embarrassed himself. You know, and you can do that. Or you can do the other thing, which is, you know what? Like, maybe that's true, but I, I, I don't want to hear that. I, I don't want to listen to that. You know, can I tell you something about the kind of people that love to share gossip and information? You, you got to get this because this is going to help someone here tonight. When you have a relationship with someone that continually feeds you gossip and, and little stories about other people and just you know, bitches and gossips and all the rest of it, right? And, they're like, and they say it like this. They go, you know, I wouldn't normally tell anyone, but I will tell you. You feel like you have a connection with them, yeah? Because you're like, oh, so it's just like it's you and I having a conversation. Thank you for including me on this little gossip circle. I'm so glad that you would not tell anyone else, but that you would share all of this with me, you know? 
trust me on this one point. If they're saying that to you, they're saying it to everyone. And if you think because you're the person hearing the gossip that that person would never say a thing about you, trust me, you are on the menu just like everyone else. So when you hear something like that, say, hey, oh, you're just going to share it with me. They'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not, uh, you know, I wouldn't tell anyone else, but I'll tell you. Then they take a story about you and they say, hey, 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 I know I shouldn't be telling you this, but I've got a story. You're not going to believe this, right? I, I wouldn't tell anyone else, but I'll definitely tell you, right? Because... They love to do it. And, and, and this, is, this kind of thing, it just creates drama in people's life. And you're saying, oh, come on, like this is only words. Yeah, I know it's only words, but trust me, small words cause big problems. Small words cause big problems. Listen to this, James chapter 3, verse 5. This is the flow on effect. It says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Now, when it says this, because you're like, that's weird language. It's talking about the church. So he's saying it's going to affect the whole community, which is why it's a significant issue. He says it's staining the whole body, sitting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed. I read this and I wasn't so sure about this. How many of you have tamed a sea creature? Or or a reptile, anyway. Sometimes you really have to look at what you're reading and you're like, really? Okay, it's in the Bible. So he says this. Every kind of reptile and sea creature can be tamed uh, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison, not the average stuff, the really deadly stuff, full of deadly poison. And with it, we bless the Lord our Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of our God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I think James is making a serious point to the church. He's saying, you know what? You know, when it comes to church, you know, we got big enough problems dealing with the stuff that's happening in the world that's under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. We got enough things that we're dealing with out there. Why, why sabotage our own thing? Why, why ruin a culture, a kingdom culture in this place, right, in, in the church? Why would we make it harder on ourselves by bringing division into this community? This is what James is really getting at. You know, when I was a kid, I used to hear this saying, and you would have heard it a thousand times. It says this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. And I was thinking about that. And I'll be completely transparent. To date, I have never seen somebody have their bones broken by a stick. Just haven't seen it. Not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying I've never seen it. I've never seen a stone get thrown so hard that somebody's arm breaks. I've never seen that, right? But names will never hurt me. What a load of rubbish. Because I have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who have been so badly hurt by careless, throwaway words 
where somebody ran their mouth and said something that they shouldn't have said and people have been hurt by that. And you know what? I've seen the flow-on effect even from people's childhood into their adulthood. You know, somebody said something about you when you were a kid and it formed and shaped part of your identity and now you grow up believing you're something that you are not because someone said something but they didn't have the perspective of God but because you heard it when you were young and you believed it back then, you didn't think to question it when you were an adult and so you believe something about yourself that's not true. I told you that words are powerful and they have the ability to shape and create even a person's identity. And I see it all the time. I see it all the time. Why? Because small words cause big problems. And so James says this, he says that small words can set a forest on fire. You know, the thing about fire is that it's unpredictable. Like when I planned this message, it was before all of the fires that are happening in California right now. And I was watching the, the news and I was seeing these fires that started small, but they spread so fast and they were unpredictable. And they went in multiple directions, destroying homes and the lives of people. And they cannot put these fires out. And this is what James is saying. He's saying that when you gossip when you speak negatively it's like a fire that gets out of control and you have no idea how far that small word is going to travel it seems small and contained right now but then everyone shares it with a friend that they wouldn't that they said they weren't going to tell anyone but they did anyway and so now the whole thing's out of control and this would be my advice before you open your mouth and say something that you probably shouldn't you should give consideration to how far this thing might actually go because it's my assumption that when that spreads that you won't also then track down every single person that it spread to and tell them that it was wrong and it shouldn't have been said I assume that once it's spread and once it's out, that you just step back and allow it to be, leaving people with a perspective that they're not supposed to have because it shouldn't have been said in the first place. So James, he says, you know what? This is a serious issue. And I think he kind of finishes with this point. He's saying, church, here's what I don't get. Here's here's what I don't understand. I don't get this. I don't understand how you can come into church and pray and look holy and worship and bless and walk right out and bitch. I don't get that. I just don't get it. I don't get it how people can come in and in the right environment with people that they might be trying to impress with words that are planned or prepared. He goes, I don't get it. How can you come into an environment and, and, and just bless in this environment and they'll walk right out and later on during the week just bitch about someone and, and, and begin to share stories and dissect someone's life when you have no idea what that person has actually had to walk through. I don't get how you can do too. And James is saying, it's not even the words. You know what the real issue is? The real issue is that the words simply come from the overflow of the heart. 
And the heart is really the issue. Because see, your mouth is just the overflow. Because from your heart flow the springs and the issues of life, right? So then your mouth is simply the overflow that confirms what's been contained and going on inside of your heart. And, and, and let me illustrate this point. If, you, if this doesn't make an impact on you, I, I don't know how to do this in an easier way. If you have a tree and you don't know what kind of tree it is, you could just wait until it bears fruit. Now, if you have a tree and it starts producing apples, you have an, an apple tree, right? This is not hard. This is very easy for everyone to understand. If you had an orange tree, right? But you weren't sure what kind of tree it was. And it started to produce oranges. You would say what? You would say, oh, this is an orange tree, right? Okay, so this, again, this is not hard. This is very easy. Sometimes the way to figure out what kind of tree it is, you just wait till you see the fruit that it produces. And when you see the fruit that it produces, it gives you an indication of what kind of tree you're really dealing with here. You know what James is saying? James is saying, hey, you can't be two things. You're one or you're the other. What does he say? He says, you can't be both fresh and salt water You are one pretending to be the other. If we see two, it's because one of them's not real. You can't be both nice and nasty. You are one or the other, but you are wearing a mask. You are one of these things. We don't know which one it is. So what we could do is we just wait and see the fruit that your life produces. And when we see the fruit, it determines to us what kind of tree you really are. See, the thing is, is that for 30 minutes when you preach, you could wear a mask and you could pretend. God's not interested in that. When you go out to dinner if you want to impress people or if you're in a job interview you could impress them in that moment but you could be two things James says you're not just so you know you're not you're one pretending to be the other you know my kids got in the car on Thursday night after school picked them up and my son he said this he said dad there's this kid at school and he is just so mean like to everyone I said, oh, okay. I said, all right, well, you know, you know what you should do? You should go and tell the teachers, right? He said, oh, dad, I know, but this kid has a plan. I said, what's his plan? He goes, get a load of this. When the teachers are around, he's really nice. And as soon as they're not, he just be mean to everyone. I'm like, genius. Yes, of course. Yes, that makes sense that he would... He would be nice when the teachers are around because that's the group he's trying to impress, but he would be mean when they're gone. And you know what my advice to my my kids was? I said, oh, don't worry about that. I said, don't worry about that. I said, because this is the thing with human nature. This is the thing about people. I said, they can't help but be who they are. I said, and they'll just continue to be who they are and they can pretend and they can wear a mask, but eventually people will begin to figure them out. Eventually people fall on their own sword. Eventually they'll trip themselves up. They'll do it one too many times. They'll require so many fresh starts that eventually someone will begin to ask the question, why do you need them? Why is it that every environment that you go into is just drama filled? Why is this such an issue? Maybe it's not everyone else. Maybe you just found out what kind of tree you really are. James finishes the passage this way. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, 
Let him show his works in meekness, not weakness, but meekness in wis- of wisdom. He said, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is. Now, let me explain this next part to you because it gets a little strange. He's not saying unless you use wisdom that comes from heaven, that it's all three of these things that I'm about to read to you. He's saying that if you start to allow the influence of certain things in your life, it'll create a pathway of progression in your future. So he says it begins as earthly, but soon it can become unspiritual. And if you keep going that direction, eventually it becomes demonic. And I know that that sounds really intense, but what is demonic except the influence of the world or the kingdom onto people that are supposed to be representing Christ and his righteousness? It goes on to say, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You know, I, I read that and I see something that hopefully stands out to you too, which is that there is a harvest coming in your life. And in this, he says, you know, if you're a person of peace, you sow seeds of peace and you reap a harvest of righteousness. This is simply a matter of sowing and reaping. And if you're the kind of person that just sows negativity, you know what you'll reap? You're going to reap negativity. He says, but people of peace, what do they say? They, they sow seeds of peace and they begin and they end up reaping a harvest of righteousness. And I thought, you know what? Wouldn't it be good for the church and not some corporate group, but I mean as individuals, as people that make up the body of Christ, if the harvest that we brought in was always righteousness because the seeds that we all sow were simply peace, wouldn't it be good if the seeds that we continue to sow were just love and grace Isn't that what we should be known for? Isn't it the love of Christ that should be seen in us? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like that was the thing that we're supposed to be marked by. I felt like Jesus said that we should be recognized as disciples of His. Why? Because we sow peace, we sow love, we sow grace, we sow forgiveness, and we're supposed to be so good at doing it that people outside of this place recognize that we've been with Christ because of how we do relationships and the words that we speak and we understand the power and the impact that they have and the reason why James is taking these poor people to task. Don't forget, they're poor. They're poor. They're poor. Remember, their stuff is getting pinched. They're getting dragged into court. Their money is being taken from them. And he takes them to task on this point because I think James found that there is something worse than a poor community and that's a broken one. So he would make sure that there is no opportunity in that community for brokenness to exist. And this is how he deals with it. He says, hey, be careful about what you say because small words can still cause big problems. Why don't you stand to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.